Hey, 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 before the show starts, I want to remind you guys that we have a new Pride level where you can get access to our secret supergroup, the Lions of Liberty Pride, for just $2. And therein, you can have access to us, the chats, the conversations, and not only that, but also you will get access to the live streaming events coverage, which we provide to our Pride members. Now, that's not going to get you access to all of the bonus content. Mind you, you're not going to get the Conspiracy Corners fresh. You're not going to get the Do Nothing Man's fresh. You got to spend some more shekels to get that stuff, fellas. And, of course, my lovely libertarian ladies. But make sure you join before the debates start next week. We're going to be doing some recap shows there live. You don't want to miss. Also, guys, just throwing this out there at the top of the show... Ammo.com has advertisements on our website, so if you go and check the show notes for any of these episodes and you're in the need of some ammo, you can go there, click through on their banner advertisement. You will get a discount on anything over $200 on your order. And rounding it out, go to buy some coffee. Yes, lionsofliberty.com forward slash coffee, baby. Morning Roar, the best way to start your day that doesn't involve hard drugs. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, hey out there, everybody. Hopefully you guys aren't suffering from the measles outbreak, which continues to ravage this world. (laughs) I am Brian McWilliams. This is Electric Liberty Land. Thank you all for tuning in and joining me. And, you know, we're going to Porkfest in just a, uh, God, it's going to be like three days from now, from the time of this airing, I will be in New Hampshire taking part in the Free State Project's annual Bacchanal in the Woods. Of course, it's the middle of goddamn nowhere. And, uh, you know, there's some funny things. There's some some, uh, things that have been said about this trip, which, and by the way, just remind you guys, it's too late to buy Lions of Liberty t-shirts. So if you were planning on wearing them and proudly supporting them, I think it's too late to get them to you in time. I could be wrong. But, you know, I still say, just like last year, if you come up to me and you do not have a Lions of Liberty shirt on and you try to talk to me, spitting right in your eye. Right in one eye, if you try to talk to me more, spitting in the other eye. So that's the way it goes. I view you talking to me, Brian McWilliams of Electric Liberty Land, without a Lions of Liberty t-shirt, koozie, or other uh, accoutrement as a direct violation of the NAP. And thus, I am entitled to defend myself via spittle into your face. But, you know, hey, if you can't buy one in time, I do encourage you to grab a Sharpie, make your own. I promise we won't sue you for, for copyright infringement unless you start selling them themselves. Then we got a problem. But uh, I do encourage homemade Lions of Liberty shirts or Electric Liberty Land shirts. I think that would actually be hilarious. Anyway, yeah, we'll be at Porkfest, though, guys. So if you're going to be there, uh, make sure to catch my live Do Nothing Man episode. I'm going to be doing that Friday at 5 p.m., uh, presuming the schedule does not get jacked around on me. And I'm going to have my all-star cast there. I know Odie's going to be taking part, doing a voice. I, of course, will be doing the voice of Do Nothing Man. Mark's going to be coming in doing Logic Lad's voice. And Jason Stapleton has committed to doing a voice as well. We're going to have to make him a bad guy, though. <laughs> and speaking of Stapleton, that son of a bitch. I saw him. It was so You know, you had Chris Bangle in town. He's visiting, and actually, he got to to meet Joe Rogan because he's working on uh, with Miss Pat, who's a comedian who has a podcast, a very popular book as well. And uh, Spangle apparently is a producer for the Bob and Tom Show, which I had no idea. 
But uh, that's a longtime comedy duo, huge reach on that show. And uh, yeah, kudos to him, man. That's, that's pretty impressive. So anyway, he was in town. We went and got sushi. He and I and uh, Mark Claire, of course, is there. Jason Stapleton came out. We sushi it up. We had some sake, had some good conversations about libertarian concepts, of course, spreading the message. But fucking Stapleton, he's getting in on our ride. This lazy bum wasted the last minute. I, out of the kindness of my heart, my sweet Black and yellow libertarian heart. I'll get that looked at, by the way. Sounds like I might have jaundice or possibly some sort of pus and a lot of dead flesh in there with the black and yellow thing, but it's still pumping. But I invite them. I say, hey, you know what, man? It's going to be a long, painful drive because it's like a two and a half hour, three drive, a three hour drive because you got to fly into Boston, rent a car, drive your ass out in the middle of goddamn nowhere. And that's where Porkfest is. So if you ever wonder how to get to Porkfest, just ask anybody along the way. You say, hey, where's the farthest place in the middle of fucking nowhere? That's where they'll, they'll be like, oh, just keep on keep going down this road. So anyway, I allow this man to come and share in my, you know, bask in my glory with me and Odie and Rico in our car, because Mark's going in earlier. And he has the audacity to go on his show and tell people that it's going to be a long ride riding with yours truly, and that I will be drunk getting off of the airplane. Now, one of those two things is true. I will definitely be dunk, drunk. <laughs> am I drunk now? I'll definitely be drunk getting off of the airplane. There's no doubt about that. I also plan on getting off the airplane, going straight to the bar that is closest to the exit, and sitting down and having myself a delicious yingling. My favorite beer. I can't get it out here in California because of the ridiculous regulations that exist in this country. Liquor laws governing what can and can't cross certain state lines if you don't have distribution far enough out. Hold a raft of horse shit. So I will be getting drunk immediately off Yingling. But uh, Stapleton should just, he should just enjoy that he is going to be entertained for two and a half hours listening to me and my deep thoughts, my hilarious, hilarious jokes. I mean, I tell you, man, I'm tempted, I'm tempted to do something terrible to him for these, these insults, these attacks on my person. Maybe wait for him to pass out, dye his hair a different color. I'll dye his hair back to its original color. Get rid of that fucking just for men shit. Put in a touch of gray. Make him look like uh, like the guy from the Fantastic Four. Make him look like Doctor Strange. Put a little little gray wings up in his in his hair. See how he likes that. Maybe I'll test his military training. You know, I'll do that thing where you yank on the seatbelt and choke him out. Let's see you get out of that, Stapleton. Anyway, it should be a fun time. All right, moving on. So, guys, welcome to the show. This is Electric Liberty Land, episode number 129, meaning you can go and find the show notes at our website, which, yes, is up and running, no problem. Turned out it's just an annoying issue with WordPress that was easily fixed once I uh, figured out what it was. So, go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL129. Find all the show notes, which there are many, because I'm going to hit about eight stories today. But of course, all these stories, as you may have gleaned from the headline, all seem to revolve around a whole lot of bullshit. It was just flowing out of the place. I mean, I have never, I don't think there's been a week in my life where all of these top news stories, I'm looking through and I'm just going, horse shit, bullshit, horse shit, bullshit, cat shit, dog shit, dog shit, gopher shit. And if you never know anything about gopher shit, which you probably don't, it's mostly underground, hard to find, and thus exceptionally rare. They call it the diamond of dookies. I'd go for shit. But anyway, it's just astounding to me, the mass media coverage and the, the ways in which people cover this, give it credence, 
work themselves into just knots of logic trying to justify how any of this makes sense and why it should be covered, mind you. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. But before I do, you know, last week I talked a little bit about uh, the naivete of people calling libertarians naive. And there's one thing, you know, I was listening back and every time I do an episode, I always listen back and I go, God damn it. Why didn't I say that? I meant to say it, you know, but I go off on these rants. My mouth gets ahead of my brain half the time or my brain's far so far ahead of my mouth that I can't catch up. And by the time I catch up to the 15 things that I'm thinking at once, it's too far gone. I've blown past it like an exit on the freeway. I'm gone. Now I'm off in a weird movie with fucking mutants raping me in the woods. You know, that's what happens on this podcast, guys. You start off with a good libertarian idealistic monologue and you end up getting raped by mutants in the woods. It's a tale as old as time. Beauty and the Beast. So anyway, the thing I forgot to say the last week is, you know, we're talking about the naivete of people and just how, you know, there's all these examples of, of people calling us naive and yet, you know, mistaking our worldview for somehow not knowing that the Democratic and Republican positions exist as if, as if we live in this bubble. But the one thing I neglected to mention, the most important thing is just how naive do you have to be to question a worldview in which we don't believe the government will take care of all things for all people and that you believe that a government is full of people that only mean the best for everyone, that have no self-serving interests. Is that not the height of being naive? I mean, is it possible to be more naive than that? To think that all people in government are somehow above and beyond the basic human condition of self-interest? Or that as an entity, the government is not going to want to grow, is not going to want to defend what it has, cling to things? tooth and nail, lest they be pried back. God forbid the citizens pry them back and are able to govern their own lives again. I mean, you look at any number of instances of the government, the way in which they handle hurricanes, the way in which, look at the roads. Let's say, who will build the roads? Well, the government's not done a very good job of it, have they? Look at all the fraud that's in Medicare. That's a government system. They want to expand this thing. I was just shared on our, our Lions of Liberty basic page, you know, the main Lions of Liberty Facebook page, a guy, you know, it's a great take. They're talking about wanting to expand Medicaid for all. Oh, everybody gets Medicaid. Everybody gets Medicaid. Adding trillions of dollars to debt. Meanwhile, even just last year in Florida alone, there was something like $30 billion in, in fraud. This is what we want? These people think that we are naive for questioning the way in which this operates? I mean, fucking talk about living in a fantasy world. That is what these people do if they believe that government has the solutions, that government can do anything better than the private sector. And the writing is on the wall. It is deep. We've got a Torah worth, a fucking Koran's worth of examples of the government fucking shit up and then not taking the blame and demanding that more money be given to them. That in fact, it wasn't that they were so big that was the issue. It's that they were not big enough. Heard that one a million times, right? Okay, let's get into some bullshit. What do you think? All right, first story. Everybody's talking about it. The Iran Strait of Hormuz attack on the oil tankers from Japan and Norway. Now, America went out of its way 
to within, I don't even know, seconds of a Japanese tanker and a Norwegian tanker having what the Americans say is mines that were damaged or torpedo damage from the Iranians. The captains of these ships, or at least the Japanese oil tanker, says that it was, in fact, a strike from above. It was not based on the, you know, from underwater. It wasn't from a boat. It was from what he says kind of looked like a drone or something like that. The United States wastes no time in blaming Iran, saying that they're trying to ramp up. They're trying to prove that they can they can cause damage to, quote-unquote, American interests. Because, you know, you, we don't need to have a direct attack upon our ships anymore, guys. It's enough to attack a Japanese oil tanker which, by the way, was not delivering Iranian oil to America, lest anybody be confused, because we clearly don't buy oil from Iran. In fact, we try to stop every nation on Earth from buying oil from Iran. So this tanker was going to Japan from Iran, because Japan gets, I think, something like 5% of their oil imports come from Iran. Not a small amount, not a huge amount, obviously. And they're saying that, okay, this is an attack on American interests, despite the fact that it has absolutely nothing to do with us. And they're saying that this is a provocation to show that they have the capability to harm American ships that are going through or ships from other nations that are going through this port. Nothing about this makes sense. This is, I would say, the epitome of a false flag. Now, look, I could be wrong. I could be completely mistaken. The Iranians could, in fact, be trying to make a statement in that they, they can get at ships. But if you're going to do that, why would you, number one, go after ships which are trading with you when you have been so economically crippled by American sanctions that your economy is basically on life support? And one of your few trading partners happens to be Japan or happens to be Norway who are, who are trading with you for oil. Even if you were going to try to make a statement, why would you do it to your own allies that are keeping you afloat? They are the fucking fibrillator keeping your economy's heartbeat going. Idiotic makes no sense. Number two, if you want to show that you can close the strait, just close the strait for a few hours. You have the military power to do it. Iran doesn't have the most impressive military in the world, but they've got the power to close that strait off. You could do it in a more diplomatic fashion without having to have this quote-unquote limpet mine attack. And of course, this is all revolving around shady video, which kind of shows something being removed, maybe from a ship, but you can't really tell. There was an Iranian boat pulled up next to a ship. They took something off the hull. They're claiming that that was them removing a mine that they themselves put on there. Now, of course, Iran is responsible for security in that strait, so it could have just been them taking the mine off or doing something, some sort of maintenance. I don't know. The Iranians flat out deny that they had anything to do with this. Of course, the Saudi Arabians flat out insist they did. So do the, uh, the Arab Emirates. The UK is split on it because the ruling party says that Iran was clearly to blame. Meanwhile, the, the non-ruling party says that they are clearly not to blame and they think this is a false flag. In Germany, you've got the same thing going on. You've got two different factions. One faction says, oh, yes, this is clearly Iran. The other faction says, no, we don't believe this. This looks like more American imperialism trying to cast their stones all over the place where they have no business being involved. And the other thing, too, is to remember this. Even if Iran's trying to make a statement, what sense does it make when you're, when you're trying to get your country back on track, when you're trying to, to defuse a situation, when you're already threatening to ramp up your, your uranium production, you've been obeying the agreement that you had agreed to with, with Obama under his administration, to rein in nuclear ambitions, right? 
You've been operating in good faith to this point. You're getting the world on your side, right? Why would you now do this? Why would you erase all of those things that you have done and possibly ramp up a conflict in the United States, which will only end in bloodshed? None of it makes sense. None of it. So while I can't say for certain this is a false flag, it certainly does look at it from the outside coming in. And again, I'm going to do these quick because like I said, I got like eight stories to go through. But I would say that this is fucking bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. Uh, Don't worry. I'm leading up to something with that. But I'm going to do it after every story. Just to let you know. All right. Next, let's talk about Kellyanne Conway being accused of violating the Hatch Act by the, God, what is the name of this stupid bureau? The Office of Special Counsel, which is just some, I don't even know. It's not the one from, from Mueller, by the way. It's a different different office from that. I don't know. It's some nonsense office, which seems to exist only to weigh in on the Hatch Act once every 10 years. And the Hatch Act, guys, if you're not familiar with it, the Hatch Act is designed to try to stop people from being involved with political campaigns when they are higher up in government. I.e., you know, if you are the attorney general, you're not supposed to be going out there and campaigning specifically for a political party because you're supposed to be neutral in government. You're not supposed to use the resources of government in order to get yourself reelected. But this act's language, like everything the government does, is so broad and so amorphous that essentially every single person that has ever been in political office has violated it. And it just comes down to this ridiculous office of the special counsel to decide if they feel like being cocks or not. So Kellyanne Conway, because she had gone out and criticized and said basically the Democrats, you know, criticized the Democratic Party a couple of times, they're saying that this violated the Hatch Act. She wasn't campaigning on, uh, you know, for Trump specifically on federal grounds. She wasn't using federal airways to campaign. She was doing this. No. You're not even allowed to criticize the opposition party, apparently, if you work for the president uh, in a casual interview, which is absurd, absolutely absurd. And it's done all the time on every level of politics, every level of discourse. It's done. And, you know, it's like I was reading some of the examples where the Hatch Act came into play or where where they they think people violated it. There was one example of a sheriff who ran for for federal office, and they said that he wasn't allowed to run for federal, federal office. So this was the claim anyway that the office of the special counsel turned down. But they claimed that he had violated the Hatch Act because he had gotten a federal grant while sheriff for bulletproof vests. And thus now he was not allowed to run <laughs> to run for whatever office it was. I mean, it's just ridiculous stuff like that where literally anything can get thrown in there. Like I said, it's like any turn of phrase. If, you, if somebody asks you a question during an interview on TV and you're a representative of Trump in his, in his government and you say, well, I don't think the Democrats were playing very nice on that. Boom, violated the Hatch Act. That's a negative statement about the opposition party. Oh, throw that bastard in jail. Make him resign. So again, this is something that got blown up. Everybody was reporting it as though it's some major scandal that Kellyanne Conway, people are demanding that she resign because she had the gall to say that the Democrats were being shitty in one way or the other uh, in passing. And they only had two examples, too. They had like two examples of it. It wasn't like she had this long diatribe she had got she wasn't sending out political mailers she wasn't sending out dirty pictures of barack obama and michelle obama and the midget that they fuck in the cellar none of that crap no just in an interview said that the democrats weren't playing fair something along those lines so if you ever anybody say that 
a person who's been accused of violating the Hatch Act, let me assure you, what's going to hatch out of that egg is fucking bullshit. La, 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 la. All right, next, we're crackalacking here. All right, how about Alex Jones? Talking about him, he's in an ongoing trial over divorce and custody of his kids. Really a just disgustingly ugly scenario to be in, wherein he and his wife are not getting along, not on the best of terms. And as we've seen so often in the past, she is pulling out all the stops to really go after him in just the nastiest, most horrible way possible. Uh, I remember I was listening to... I think it was Adam Carolla had somebody on talking a little bit about, or maybe actually, might, God, it might have been in our podcast. I can't fucking remember. But somebody is on there talking a little bit about men's rights. And um, specifically, though, not the broader men's rights movement, but just when it comes to divorce, how men just can get completely bankrupted, how you have no, basically no control over your, your children in the scenario of who gets custody. And so often women will pull out the he abused me card or he abused the children card. These men are thrown and it's just to the wolves. They get accusations of sexual molestation against them for their kids, which are completely unfounded. This happens far more often than you would ever think. So Alex Jones' wife has basically gone down that same track. She's accused him of of everything under the sun. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. Couldn't say. Of course, he denies it. But the most recent thing that's happened now is that They made him turn over his servers to his wife's divorce team. Alex Jones did so. And then her lawyers found what they claim is Alex Jones having kitty porn. Now, what actually, actually happened was that Alex Jones turned over these computers, right? Turns over the hard drives, which have just a shit tons of email. I mean, the guy was a top 10 media personality, hands down. Everybody knew who Alex Jones was. Everybody knows what InfoWars is and was. The man was really, I mean, I can't think of somebody that had a bigger footprint than he did for a very long time. And the amount of email that he must have gotten from sane people and a shitload of crazies must have been just in the thousands and thousands, tens of thousands a day coming into InfoWars. And not just to him, mind you, to the InfoWars emails, Right. So every email that comes in, whether or not it's open or not, whether or not it's deleted, whether or not it's whatever happens to it, there's still some record of it, right? I guess he could have had the, he could have pulled a Hillary Clinton. He could have scrubbed the hard drives, which probably he should have done. But, you know, if you're an innocent man, you don't think to necessarily do these things. And also he probably does things, okay, I'm going to look more guilty if I scrub my email servers clean. Still though, maybe in hindsight. So what happens is that they go through his emails and they find child porn was sent to him. He didn't have it on the hard drive. There's no photos. There's no videos sitting on a hard drive in a folder labeled tax documents, (laughs) whatever you might name your porno files. I know mine was named tax documents. I know my wife's not going to go in there. She hates the maths. So anyway, none of that. No, they find emails. I don't know, probably unopened, probably deleted, sitting in the trash bin, unemptied. That included child porn. Now, this, not, this doesn't even mean that these people were listeners of this. These might have been people that are intentionally false flagging him, you know, by sending kitty porn in and then reporting it themselves. And that's what he actually thinks. He thinks that his wife's lawyers set it up, emailed the porn in or had their lackeys email porn into his server just so they could know and find it, which, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. All is fair in love and war, so they say. 
But now to see all these headlines, Alex Jones finds kitty porn. Alex Jones's servers turned over to the FBI because of child porn. Complete fucking bullshit. This is like saying that you should go to jail if I send you a picture of my dick from when I was 15 and you go, oh, I don't know if I want to see that. I'm not even going to open it. I'm going to put it in my spam folder. I'm not going to look at it. Good night, nurse. I mean, look, in a Gmail scenario, right? Let's say somebody has access to your Gmail. I don't know how often they empty that stuff. Unlike a physical email on my computer for work where I empty the email folders that are in the trash because I don't want my box to fill up, Gmail does it automatically, so I don't even think about it. There could be kitty porn in my fucking Gmail right now. I would have no idea. But if somebody took that, turned it over to the feds, now I'm going to go to jail because of something I can't control coming in? This is like if a kid, it's like if a 10-year-old kid ran into your living room, whipped his dick out, and went, and then ran out of the room, and the feds just happened to see it happen, and they go, oh, you pervert. Fucking bullshit. One more example of the media running with the narrative because they hate Alex Jones. They hate what he stands for. They could not be more gleeful in trying to tie him in with Kitty Porn Ring, and especially the Democrats. I'm sure that, you know, all that they do as far as Kitty fucking off on Epstein Island under the watchful gaze of the owl. I'm sure these people are delighted. Maybe this will be the thing that gets him out of the doghouse. Maybe maybe this is the long game for Alex Jones to try to get on these people's good sides. <laughs> anyway, this is fucking bullshit. All right, let's take a quick break. I'll be right back with some more stories of excrement. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to Electric Liberty, Liberty, Liberty Land, Land, Land. Episode number 129, go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash 129. And you can find all of the show notes there waiting for you. And no kitty porn. Promise. Don't worry about that. All right, welcome back. Uh, coming back into this, I got to read this story. Another tale of bullshit. So, you know, <laughs> we all remember Jussie Smollett, of course, right? Now that is widely viewed as a race hoax. Of course, Jussie Smollett was the actor on Empire who viewed that he was either... There's two different stories. One, he says he was underpaid. Two, he says that he was afraid he was going to be cut from the show. Is these two motivations they're saying for his staging an attack on himself by paying two Kenyan brothers who were extras on the show to come and stage what he claimed was an attack by two MAGA hat-wearing Trump supporters who threw bleach on him, yelled, this is MAGA country, and then put a noose around his neck made out of string. This, of course, took place 
right outside of a subway sandwich shop, not where the people at the subway could see, of course. But in the middle of winter, one of the coldest days of the year, at midnight, where, you know, all the MAGA hat wearing dudes are just out trolling in the middle of nowhere in the freezing cold. And in the city of Chicago, which, of course, is known for being a real hotbed of white supremacy, right? Anywho, that seems to be a total nonsense. Uh, of course, they threw the case out, even though they shouldn't have. The police department in Chicago was up in arms about it because it was so insane. The prosecutor or the DA who threw the case out and dropped the charges had ties to the Smollett family, also ties to Obama. Just absolutely absurd. And then, of course, Jesse Smollett has the nards on him to come out and say that he was still a victim of a host. Even the show's creator, Empire's creator, he was like, I feel betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> this I, I defended this clown when it happened, and now there's no, no chance he's telling the truth. So anyway, speaking of race hoaxes, because I did say that was, you know, this is on an email chain. I'm going to be more brazen this time and say that this story I'm about to read to you is complete and total nonsense. Just made up bullshit by this man. So CNN's reporting a black Boeing, this is the headline, a black Boeing employee found a noose over his desk. Now he's suing the company. Which, of course, doesn't really leave much room for interpretation as to whether or not this actually happened, because there's no evidence that it did other than his claim and what he might have done. So there's apparently no cameras, no you know, anything like that that caught this in the act. So an African-American Boeing employee has filed a federal lawsuit against the aviation company alleging racial discrimination after he said his coworkers hung a noose over his desk. Curtis Anthony alleges in the lawsuit that his colleagues at the North Charleston, South Carolina Boeing plant also used the N-word and urinated on his desk. Suing for discrimination on the basis of race, retaliation, intentional infliction of emotional distress, violations of the Family Medical Leave Act, okay, and a breach of contract. Now, the noose was found there. Apparently, no urine was found there, and uh, no one else is really backing up his claims. And this is something where I will say this. There have been other reports of these things happening at various plants, you know, more, more blue-collar, working-class plants, I guess, one in Ohio, one in somewhere else, where they said, oh, well, I found a new somewhere as well. But again, there's no actual proof that this is not being done by the person himself. And the reason I think this is bullshit is because... Look at the environment we live in right now. Look at the politically charged atmosphere right now, wherein we're seeing violence more often than not, not against the minorities, because we're seeing more often than not, when we do hear these horrible stories of violence against minority groups and they're caused by Trump supporters, they turn out to be hoaxes. The whole thing about the uh, the woman, the Muslim woman with the you know her hijab was pulled off her head and somebody yelled at her to go home, that was bullshit. Uh, There was like four or five different cases that have been exposed as complete racial hoaxes and many, many others that are essentially the same thing. In the meantime, you do see rampant violence against Trump supporters constantly goes unpunished. People are getting their hats ripped off, people getting beaten in the streets by Antifa, people getting punched in the back of the head. Women getting pepper sprayed in the face for wearing a hat that wasn't even a MAGA hat. It just was a red hat. You see a lot of these examples. And now we see an example of a guy where there's no actual evidence to say that this happened other than a noose that they found. So you don't know if the guy made it himself or not. But I have to say, in 2019, in this environment where everybody is hypersensitive to this, you're telling me that not one coworker, but multiple coworkers are going around in Boeing 
a major manufacturer, a company with a lot to lose, and a huge HR staff, which can pay attention to these things, you're telling me that multiple coworkers have gone around publicly calling this man the N-word and pissed on his desk. And then finally, the culmination of this was them hanging a noose above it. I'm sorry, this sounds like total made-up hogwash. It sounds like a man who's actively looking for a payday and knows that in the environment we live in, this hypersensitive to race and anything like this, and especially in an environment where now you could say, oh, well, these people were emboldened by Trump to be racist because Donald Trump, even though the latest studies that come out have actually shown that racial hatred has gone down in the era of Trump because people are, if anything, overreacting to his rhetoric and overreacting to try to balance the scales and actually being fucking nicer to each other. So one layer of why this is total bullshit. But nothing about this adds up. Nothing about this seems legit to me. But of course, according to CNN, this is one more example of, of racial hatred. And obviously, this man must be believed. Meanwhile, to me, this is Jesse Smollett part two, the Boeing connection. Who put these motherfucking Justice Bullets on this motherfucking plane factory? <laughs> Just fucking nonsense. This fucking bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. All right, let's move on to another story, which is bullshit of another color. And this is actually involving a rapper named Willie Bo, who is driving through. Well, actually, I, don't know, I guess he was driving until he fell asleep, but... This guy's a rapper, uh, I guess fairly popular, popular enough that there's there's coverage for this. But The Hill's got a report out, and this is uh, reporting on a special investigation ordered by city county officials in Vallejo, California, which found that the 21-year-old rapper, Willie McCoy's his real name, was fat, <laughs> fat, fatally shot 55 times within seconds by police officers who found him sleeping in his car earlier this year. If you're wondering just how many seconds it took to, uh, for them to shoot him 55 times, 3.5. You know, cops talk about reaction times. That's a hell of a reaction time. 3.5 motherfucking seconds to shoot a man with 55 bullets from six cops. But this story gets even better. It's not just that they shot a guy who happened to be black in a car, you know, in 3.5 seconds or 55 shots. No, no, it gets even better because he happened to be asleep in a drive through lane. So these cops came up to him. The Taco Bell employee reported this guy was passed out. The cops come up. They find him completely asleep in his car. Now, they're saying that he had a gun in his lap. That may or may not be true. But the story they're going by is that they found him asleep in their car. They leaned in to try to investigate him. And again, wouldn't the first thing you would do if you were these cops, instead of leaning in, because I guess they leaned in and they're trying to you know, look at the scene. Maybe they're, maybe they're trying to poke him whatever. Wouldn't the first thing you did as a cop, if a guy's asleep at the wheel, a gun in his lap would be to reach in while he's still asleep and take the gun. I mean, that just seems like copping one Oh one nice work. Taking the gun out of the sleeping rapper's lap. Gum shoes. <laughs> guys remember Carmen San Diego. So yeah, anyway, so they don't take the gun out of his lap and they say that as they were, you know, Going in the car, I guess, I don't even know, creeping around this sleeping individual in his car, he jolted. And instead of saying, hey, don't move, 
Or they said, I guess, they're claiming that they even told him not to move, right? So he's asleep. They're like, hey, man, don't move. He jerks awake, and they fucking shoot him 55 times! In what world would you be a cop and not presume that the man is going to jolt or make some sudden motion if you awaken him from a sleep in which he was so sleepy or so drunk that he fell asleep in a fucking Taco Bell drive-thru lane? I know if I'm in a Taco Bell drive-thru lane, I'm pretty pumped to get my food. There's no way I'm passing out. But this man found a way to fall asleep in that lane. And these fucking cops didn't think that maybe he'd have a basic physiological reaction to being woken up, not knowing where the fuck he is, why there are so many people around him, or why his food wasn't already in his body, quickly becoming diarrhea. Just absolutely disgusting. And that's why this fucking bullshit... All right, and rounding out our episode of BS, not that this is the end, mind you. I've got a couple more stories to talk about, but I want to go across the pond to the UK to talk about an executive at ITV, which is one of the, uh, I guess, one of the primary stations over there. Not that I've ever really watched it, not that I'm overly familiar with it, but One of the executives at ITV, she is a female executive that is the head of the comedy division, has stated that she will no longer hire all-male writing teams. And she says that there's a significant lack of women and an awful lot of male teams there. Uh, Saskia? Yeah. Saskia Schuster is the name of this, this woman. Here's a quote. Too often, the writing room is not sensitively run. It can be aggressive and slightly bullying, Schuster told the Diverse Festival on Monday. So, you know, I wonder I wonder if these people knew that she'd pandered to their bullshit when they brought her into this Diverse Festival. Anyway, she was featured in a panel titled Why Employing More Women Writers in Comedy Matters. And as such, she's decided that it not only matters to employ more women in comedy, but apparently you have to be sexist against male writing groups. And she was saying that she often says that female writers are at a disadvantage because men already had more writing credits. Now, let me tell you, that might be true because there's more men in the business that are writing. And she's saying that it's hard to find producers who quote unquote, get their voices and develop their scripts. And the fact that female writers don't thrive as the lone female voice in the writing room. Now, I can tell you, I know some strong female writers, very, very funny women that do thrive and they have no issue being in a writing room if they are the only woman. Now, granted, again, this is 2019. For me, trying to get a writing gig as a straight white male, uh, incredibly difficult because every single writing program that exists in 2019, every single initiative from NBC, the late night writers program, which my buddy knows the people that run it and basically told me not to waste my time because they're only looking to hire black people, Muslim people, Latino people, and women. Um, you know, every writer's room now more or less has plenty of women in it. And the fact that this woman has said, you know, in the different part of this article I'm reading, she goes, well, you know, only one in every five scripts that come across my desk is from a woman. Okay, well, I don't know what to tell you. 
that could just be due to the fact that not as many women want to get into comedy writing. And whether that be a cultural thing, whether that's something where women were told for generations they weren't funny, well, again, it's 2019. That whole premise of women aren't funny, whether or not you agree with it or not, seems to have gone by the wayside. And now you are seeing plenty of women as comedians, getting comedy specials, working in writer's rooms, having very popular Twitter feeds, etc. So don't give me a line of bullshit that for some reason it's the male patriarchy keeping women out of the writing business because it's just not true. The truth of the matter is that every initiative now exists to try to get more women into the writing business, just like the STEM industries just like they're putting all this effort to try to get more women into the science and technology and electrics and mathematics and whatever the fuck else the STEM things stand for. Engineering. Was it science, technology, engineering, and mathematics? Even though they have all this emphasis on putting money and time into programs to trying to get more women involved and get them in there, get them into mathematics. You know, it just sometimes women just aren't interested in it. And while there are plenty of funny women out there that are interested in being comedy writers, there's probably five times more men that are interested in being comedy writers. Men tend to be the class clowns more. When you're in school, men tend to be the guys that are joking and running loose and making cracks. And, and you know, the, the class clowns tend to be penis-wielding individuals. What can I tell you? Now, that's, again... Not to say there aren't women that are out there cracking people up in their classrooms. Not to say that there aren't women that are writing their own comedy material that might not be the class comedy. Men are encouraged to be funny. And there's a simple reason for this. Funny guys get laid more than not funny guys. If you're not a statuesque, beautiful looking man, you got to have something else to bring to the table. Maybe you got a great bod. Maybe you have a huge dick. But you know, it's hard to see if people have a huge dick or not. When they're not naked. And to get naked, you have to have something to bring to the table. And more often than not, that's comedy. If you guys are wondering how I landed my beautiful wife, well, comedy. Literally. We met online on a dating site. She said, her first message to me, I laughed out loud at your profile three times reading it. That's all it takes. You get in there. You're not a douche. You're funny. Men are genetically programmed to try to be funny. It makes up for a lot of shortcomings. So to pretend that women are some reason just are, are downtrodden and that's why they're not getting a fair shake, again, total fucking bullshit. You're not getting as many scripts across your desk because there's not as many women writing those scripts to get to you. Maybe that'll even out over time. I'm pretty sure it won't. And thus... This is fucking bullshit. Just 
that you make it cool like nobody does. This is all fucking bullshit. Those with the gall to tackle Rand Paul. You are fucking bullshit. If you're gonna tackle, look who's on your back. Government is bullshit. This is all bullshit. Wake up. Ah, was that worth the wait? Was that uh, was that worth the build up? Probably not. But is anything really? Is anything ever worth the build up? No. Even your first time in bed was terrible. You know it. All right, let's wrap this show up by talking about a couple quick things. Uh, Hong Kong protests. Right now, if you're not familiar with the, what's going on, the situation in Hong Kong is China, of course, got Hong Kong back from the British, but as part of the agreement to obtain that province once more, Hong Kong had negotiated where they had anonymity. They are able to govern themselves. They are not under the jurisdiction of the Chinese government when it comes to some of the more awful, you know, social uh, judgment systems, extradition, religious means, economic means, kind of all the different political things that go on in China that we tend to I guess, overlook for the most part. I mean, we have this robust trade relationship with China. You think of all the import-export that goes on. You think of all the cultural exports that go on. But in the meantime, China literally has concentration camps wherein they are shipping people to be re-educated, that are being tortured, that are a religious minority in China. And it is atrocious. In the meantime, they've got this social monitoring where you basically get a social score based upon how you act in public, how you interact online, judging how good and loyal of a citizen you are. And that can dictate all types of things from traveling abroad, probably up to getting a bank loan. So China wanted to make a deal with Hong Kong wherein they would be able to extradite people from Hong Kong, which houses a lot of people who ran from this overzealous Chinese communist government. Well, I don't know if you could call them full communist at this point because it's such a, a mixed capitalist slash communist economy. Communist in the ways of social, I guess, uh, really overarching control over the populace, squashing of political speech, jailing of journalists, etc. As opposed to a more capitalist state for the actual economy, wherein it's a mixed economy. Obviously, China puts a lot of emphasis on government buying up and supplementing funds for their economy and for businesses, but also they overlook a lot and let a lot of economies flourish. A lot of businesses go untaxed or run, go under the radar, and they're pretty much comfortable looking the other way, letting them to operate. And of course, that's also one of the issues is that from a legal standpoint, Chinese government does not always crack down on things like intellectual property, which runs afoul of U.S. companies where we see technology get stolen, um, things of that nature. But anyway, Hong Kong maintains its independence. You have a lot of people that fled China that were either due to political reasons, economic reasons, um, you know, social reasons, fled to Hong Kong. And now Hong Kong was going to make a deal where in China was going to be able to extradite people from Hong Kong to put them on trial, to throw them in the gulag back in mainland China. That's why you saw something like a million strong protesting over there. And you know what? Thank God they did, because it looks like Hong Kong's government is backing down. Uh, the latest reports were that they were putting this bill on hold, which would have allowed the extradition. Now they're saying that it's on more or less a permanent hold, and people are not even happy with that. They want the uh, the... The woman in charge, uh, I believe her last name is Lam. They want her to step down, either that or they want her to make a guarantee that this bill will never see the light of day and that 
they're not happy with her her quote unquote apology, wherein she said, "Well, let's give me give me another chance at this." And we, you know, I would never propose this bill again if we didn't have the full backing of the people, which, of course, means nothing. It means that she's going to wait until she feels it's politically expedient to try to allow this shit again and allow mainland China to pull these political prisoners out or go after people for various reasons, whatever they may decide they, they may be. So good on the people of Hong Kong. Uh, a place that I've always really wanted to visit and uh, I hear is is truly a, a wonderful place to go if you're trying to start a business. You can start a business in something like a day. I think like Stossel went over there and started a business in a fucking day. So God bless you, Hong Kong. Way to fight off the, uh, the well, not, not Mongolian hordes, but they're fairly mixed. So yeah, man, good enough. Yeah, close enough. Mongolian hordes <laughs> that are trying to invade your borders. Uh, next thing I want to talk about real quick. You've got firefighters in California who are protesting and trying to keep, basically, they're trying to keep their industry closed off to people that were fighting fires while in prison. Now, obviously, it's a voluntary thing to go and fight fires while you are in prison. You have to sign up. You have to be a person that doesn't have a record, including molestation, sexual crimes, or arson, including a couple other things in your background to get approved. But you're you're, you're able to go out and fight fires, get out of there. Now, of course... The prison system, in a crony capitalist fashion, simply uses this to undercut fire companies or undercut other bidders that might be available in the free market, instead providing cheap $3 a day prison labor to go and fight fires. I guess you could say it's voluntary in the prisoner's standpoint, but to me, it seems kind of like uh, throwing slaves to the flames. But anyway, here's the real shit of this, is that these firefighters, they want their union, and their union is... is pressing really hard. The lobbyists are pressing hard on this basically to say that if you've ever been in prison, you are not allowed to become a firefighter because these people are coming out and they're like, I'm experienced. I've been trained in all of this. I've been fighting fires for five, seven years in prison. Give me a job as a firefighter. But of course the firefighters can't have that. They've got their juicy pensions to take care of. They know how difficult it is to get a fireman's job and how cushy that is. And look, I understand that there's a lot of danger involved in that. Now, of course, you're voluntarily taking on that responsibility. You know the risk going to the job. It's not like somebody didn't warn you there might be fires that you have to fight. But in exchange for that, you make a good amount of money and you're also able to retire at a very, very early age. Very early. And of course, the amount of firefighters who actually get injured or killed is very low. So they're trying to protect their industry. In the meantime, fucking over people who are in jail for probably nonviolent crimes or trying to get out there, just make a living. And we all know how incredibly difficult it is. If you listen to felony Fridays, you know, once you're in there, once you have a felony on your record, it is unbelievably hard to get a job, let alone a job that is a decent paying wage that you might be able to retire on that you might be able to support a family on. So long story short, not surprising that the unionists are trying to pull this cronious crap and hobby, uh, hobby lobby up with the people in California's government, but they can go suck a dick. And last, this is too funny, too funny. <laughs> Quillette, which I have mixed opinions on. I, I like a lot of what they do, but they're uh, sometimes a little too, I don't even know, libertarian woke. They're a little too left-leaning woke, even though they, they tend to be more libertarian. But they had a great story on the quote-unquote woke yarn world and <laughs> these people on Instagram where they've been accused of basically being too white of making racially insensitive statements or having racially insensitive patterns. For instance, 
a woman rolled out a pattern for a kimono, but she didn't call it a kimono. She called it something like, you know, a an Asian design sweater knit. And again, this is a pattern. The thing looked like a kimono. Actually, no, she did call it a kimono. My bad. She called it a kimono style design. She's not saying that, you know, she's stealing the culture. But of course, these people that roll out, there's like five or six of these super woke social justice fucking nitwits, as I take it to calling them in the yarn world, that have made it their goal to try to ruin these people's lives, to ruin their businesses. Because one woman, she is disabled. This is over in the UK. I think she's Scottish. She's in the UK. She's disabled, had to quit her job because she had a disability that stopped her from working, created this other business from home, which she could do, built it up, has a bunch of employees, has some, some renown in the industry. They attack her and tear her down for being racist because of this fucking pattern that they say is cultural appropriation and how now she's a racist and she's a Nazi and how people need to stop selling her, her patterns and stop reading her books. This is a fucking yarn, people. Cat's cradle. Meow. <laughs> and not only that, she was supposed to keynote the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Yarn Festival. And you're like, number one, I guess that's a thing. But number two, it's supposed to be one of the biggest in the world where all the people come to find out what's new in knitting. Because, I mean, I don't know. What could possibly be new in knitting? What's changing? The length of the needles, the, th the thread counts. I don't know. What can you possibly have new? The new doily designs are in everybody, and they're going to blow your fucking mind. Anyway, she's supposed to keynote this thing. And these women protest her to the point where the festival decides that they're not going to have her there. And these fucking idiots protest the festival because they said there weren't enough women of color on the panels at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Now, think about that for a minute. How many people of color do you think, number one, just basically live in Scotland, and number two, have an incredible interest in yarning and knitting? I mean, I'm not trying to say that people don't, you know, obviously, if, if you're black and living in the middle of Scotland, you probably don't have the same uh, cultural identification as a black American would have, but I don't know. Maybe knitting's not your thing. That seems like something that a lot of old white biddies would do. And maybe, maybe that's me being racist against the whiteies and saying like knitting's only something that boring white people would do. But what the fuck do I know? All I know is there's not that many color people or people of color, pardon me, I'm getting in trouble, people of color or people of diverse racial backgrounds running around Scotland, let alone at any convention. Anyway, it is a fascinating and ridiculous read. And just goes to show you, there's no facet of society, no matter how niche and stupid, there's no facet of society that is not touched by some asshole social justice warrior getting their rocks off by trying to ruin someone else's day and make themselves feel like they matter. So let me assure you, social justice warriors out there, you do not fucking matter. You are irrelevant. And as soon as the rest of us start acting like it and start treating you like the irrelevant piece of trash you are, this world is going to be a better place. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode, this pre-Porkfest episode. Again, I will be at Porkfest, me and the rest of the Lions coming out. We are doing a not 
beer pong tournament. Wink, 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 wink at Porkfest. So come on out, join us, play some. We have awesome prizes. I found two signed Ron Paul baseball cards. Yes, with his picture on them. <laughs> They're awesome. They're authenticated. Uh, so coming out, those will be the prizes. But we're doing a beer pong tournament, as I said. We're going to be doing a bunch of different talks. We're going to be hanging out in the VIP tent. We're just going to be getting hammered and having a great time. So come on out, say hello. And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So thanks for listening. I will be very hungover the next episode, as usual. So anyway, from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty.